This podcast is a part of the Friends for Dinner Network. Welcome back to the Homegrown Music Podcast. This week, we are talking about Ivy and the Big Apples, the third studio album by punk rock group Spiderbait, which was released in 1996. Welcome everyone, welcome back to the Homegrown Music Podcast, where we listen to Australian albums and see whether or not they're classics. This is Luke, and I'm with Josh. How are you, Hello. Josh? I'm good. I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I've been. We've been listening to a an album this week, um, which, to be honest, when I first th- thought about this, like this would be an interesting listen. I know a couple of songs on this album, and you know it's going to be a straightforward listen. And was quite surprised, to be honest. Yeah, that's right. This week we listened to High Five's Christmas album. Yeah, um, it was really good. Um, <laughs> Wasn't sure how Tim would go when he got to Jingle Bells, but he really nailed those high notes. So I was pretty yeah. happy. Yeah, I was rocking the whole way. Had it on at work. <laughs> <laughs> no, this yeah. week we listened to uh, Ivy and the Big Apples by Spiderbait. A Ooh. Yeah. So this album is, I think, well, relatively well known in the indie world, um, also mm. in the punk rock world. Um, this actually has a very, very unique... Uh, position in uh, Australian music as one of its singles was the first ever song to top the hottest 100 of its respective year. So, yeah, yeah, it's the Pretty first cool. Australian led hottest 100 winner, which is interesting because the hottest 100, as we're recording this, will be actually later this weekend. Um, yeah, for, those crazy. Who, for those who don't know, the hottest 100 is a uh, listener poll where people go in and and uh send in 10 songs that they love throughout the year and on what is now um at the last saturday of every january they play it on radio go from 100 to one and you can sit back drink some beers and see luke, whether or not your songs get in so luke do you want to know a secret yeah for the first year in about 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years, mm-hmm. I did not vote. Wow. On the 100. Is and there... I intentionally didn't vote. Why is that? Because I do not know enough Triple J branded songs anymore <laughs> to warrant a top 10. That's the, fair. the music that I listen to, I, the, the issues with getting old, the, the, <laughs> the, the songs and, and the styles of music that I like just doesn't get played on Triple J as much anymore. So there's definitely mm. big songs that I like, but to justify a top 10 from what I think I listened to this year, I I couldn't do it. My integrity got the better of me, so I I chose not to do it. That, that's fair. That's fair. It feels but a bit weird. For me, I always try and keep my head in that world anyway, just to see if there's any new acts or like I found a lot of new artists that I normally wouldn't find you know, and that's mm. just because the, I'm that type of person that wants to look for something all the time. But like to have my curiosity peaked every single time I, mm. you know, listen to new music. But um, this time around with this particular album, um, it was 
I'll ask you first, Josh. What yeah. did you think about this album? I I've listened to this album before. Um, I am a big Spiderbait fan. Um, I've seen Spiderbait as a band only play once um, at Golden Plains Music Festival in what, early 2010s, 12, 13, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the energy that band had is is fantastic. And it's <laughs> you can hear it on the album and it mirrors exactly what it's like seeing them live. We've seen uh, Cram, the drummer from Spider-Bait together when mm. we saw Ali Bada at a, at a free gig in Melbourne, which was really mm. cool. Um, but yeah, I... Th- I think this album is really strong, but I think listening to it from start to finish, it has so many ideas. It just doesn't know where to land. Mm. Um, I, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it. Luke, what do, what do you think of the album, mate? I, I, I liked it. I thought I, um, I've only really listened to the two main songs on the album, which was um, Buy Me a Pony and Calypso, um, yeah. as they were two songs that got into the hottest hundred of... Um, 1996 and with this album the first four songs I was like I am really loving this and then it hits um, I can't remember the first instrumental track um, uh, when fusion ruled the earth yes is the first, and which is by, a six yeah. minute fusion piece yeah and by god that that took me for a loop I got really confused because I was like what I had like the reaction I had was what the fuck? <laughs> um, and it was in a good way. I was pleasantly surprised. I was a little like when it got to like the climax, when it got into sort of four minutes, I was like, it's a bit long for me. But the more and more listens, you get more used to these little um, instrumental pieces popping up here and there. And I think my my only gripe with this album as you sort of mentioned to it was it had a lot of ideas um and kind of threw off the pacing of the album which was a big thing because there's a lot of good hard-hitting songs um i can't remember all of their names because i'm really bad with names with bands like 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 you uh, said the that the first three like it's chest hair and hot water and milk and then into buy me a pony which is like such a powerful opening to Mm. a to an album like it's it's not just like you know i'm gonna ease into this it's like fucking bang like it's yeah. we're here this it's is that, the album deal yeah. with it it's that punk energy that i was really expecting from them yeah and it's and it's fantastic and it comes through and then that fusion piece hits and it's a, it's this break that's almost a bit too long of a break but i kind of like i can still accept it and then it it dives into calypso afterwards mm. which is obviously one of the the major singles from the album because it's it's fantastic but it's I think that first half of the album those first five tracks set one tone mm. and I think it moves away from that tone pretty fast after that it, yeah kind of like you were saying there's um, some tracks I guess break up the pacing of the album I think yeah. there's some you're really into like like they, they sell you this idea of punk and rock and you know hard and fast and it's full of energy and then sometimes there's a break and it just kind of pulls all the way back and and it's good to have those breaks in music but mm. i also think it's it's important that the breaks are connected to the album as a whole and it almost mm. didn't feel like they did 
Yeah, I think the breaks though, and maybe this is just me doing a lot more research on Spider Man than I should have. Um, <laughs> um, the the philosophy they had with the whole idea of um, kind of doing what they wanted and going up against the industry sort of mindset that a lot of bands had in the early to mid 1990s that really comes through on the album and I think this album if you put this in the hands of someone that was very familiar with rock they wouldn't like it I don't think a you lot of think? people well, I think in the sense of like, hmm. if you were going to get like, maybe that's the wrong way to describe it. But the, for me, when I listen to this, I've, I've heard a lot of rock albums in the past and you probably have as well. The, the pacing, I think threw me off the first time I listened to it. Like I really didn't like the pacing. And I think that's because the ins- the instrumentals were there. But then I were realized, you not expecting an instrumental yeah. on a rock album? Is that what it was? Like you were expecting, mm. like songs? I think because a lot of punk albums I've listened to, of you know, they're very consistent with the types of songs that they have. Um, and but listening to the album again, I realized that this felt like them playing a set that they could have Great. had live and then that would have been really good to like see live. And I think there's a difference in this album compared to a lot of other albums. This album would have been very good to see live. I think it would have sounded exactly the same. I don't think it would have sounded any different um, if you went to go and see these guys in a small little room like the Corner Hotel or um, Russell um, or uh, the... I've forgotten the name of the the club, but... um, even the North Cape, these, this is a band where I feel you would watch them in a small room, you punk, you're like, you go all in, mosh pit, just, you know, having a good See, time. Even, um, when I saw them at, at Golden Plains, it was obviously it's a festival atmosphere, um, but it went off just as big. Like, it, mm. like, if you imagine a sea of people, like, absolutely going off to, to these songs, and, and that's exactly what it was, and it was an hour's worth of a set. Um, mm. it was fantastic. It was so much energy, and and it's you know, Spotted Pieces is a three piece band. Like it's not, mm. it's not a big band. The sound and the the way that they fill the space and and provide all that energy for just you know a three piece unit. Probably something that, I mean, you've got bands like Silverchair and stuff in the nineties that, that do kind of the same thing. Something for Kate, um, mm. also a three piece band, but um, definitely something about the nineties and three pieces that. I don't know, it seemed to be the, the thing at the time. I think also because this band, they, most of them came from Finlay in um, New South Wales. And I think being away from the major cities really kind of comes through on this album. Like, it doesn't sound like it... Like, you listen to, say, Silverchair or um, You Am I, um, Jebediah. It sounds so different to all those different acts, yet I imagine that they would have been in the same circles as a lot of these acts. You know, mm-hmm. they would have had a lot of crossover. And I think this is where the mid-90s was a really interesting time from what I've read, that everybody wanted to be different. Nobody wanted to be the same. And if you were taking from somebody else, that was a sin. And I think for these guys, they play like they're themselves on stage. And I think that's a really remarkable um, attitude to have for a rock band of any time really because you know you're not influenced by other people you just want to make the stuff that you want to play and people like to listen to it 
I think we have the luxury of, of living in a country like Australia where, where the Australian rock scene is very much um, less pretentious than a lot of other countries' music scenes. Mm. Like like mateship and, and having fun is a really big part of our music industry. Yeah, community um, especially. Yeah, exactly right. And especially with rock bands. So like if you think about America and, and Europe and stuff, there's a lot of ego-driven punk bands. Mm. Um Whereas in Australia, it was, you know, because we're such a small country, a small country in comparison to these large players, um, bands kind of need to work together to, to get a genre mm. and, a, and a style over. So it's mm. like you were saying, it's, 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 it's really cool to see a band own what they do. Yeah, and especially overseas, sometimes I think all the bands forget the idea of who they're around and just want to tour and just tour and get their music out there here it's not so much about the touring aspect it's more about getting people like getting people to like your music and getting others to like your music too i think having um you know other bands to be saying hey these guys are really cool you should go and give them a listen is just as important maybe even more important than you know touring it it was before covid yeah of course of course (laughs) Every band wants to tour like crazy now, unfortunately. But mm. hopefully we get back to a point where we can see some live bands again. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, the electronics on this album was very mm. different as well. I didn't expect for an album to be like this, to be so punk heavy, to have a little bit of electronics, like electronic sounds in this music. Um, but I think it works really well for what they have. I don't think it's... It doesn't take too much out of the music. It just adds a little extra layer that is just subtle enough to notice. Can you remind me what track has what tracks have the electronic um, sound? Because towards... in my head, all I can hear is like uh, guitar effects. I yeah. Can't hear an well, that's what I was. I can't remember which one it was. Um, I think it was like Jasper, Jasper and Gosh. It was somewhere in there, but like this is just me, like. And was it like a keyboardy doors? Yeah, sound? it was that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah, that yeah. sort of. Um, it wasn't anything related to the drums or the guitars. It was more so like there was extra keys. Um, I can't remember which song. I should have written it down when I was listening yeah, to it. Yeah, so good. The listeners will, will listen yeah, to it. Yeah, but a lot of the like, they they're just little flourishes that give the album a little bit more flavor, which is kind of yeah. nice. Um. But the thing that really does give this album a massive amount of flavor is its subject matter and the way its lyrics are being done. Because, by God, I love the lyrics. I thought they were really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think the album, I mean, this is one of those albums where, and maybe it's just punk in general there. I mean, punk is, is a very typically political genre. Anti-establishment um, too. Yeah, exactly right. Whereas this this doesn't feel that. You know what I mean? It's a bit more um a bit more emotional, I would say. Really? More, in, hmm. Well, tracks like Calypso and um Buy Me a Pony and stuff. Like like there's a, a lot of there's this undertone of introversion within them which I think brings an idea of emotionality to it. So mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Calypso is you know it's it's the two two halves of a whole. It's I think the the lyrics and the music interplay with each other to create this picture of anguish and 
don't know. I'm, I always want to say anger, but it's not anger. It's like frustration. That's a that's a better word for it. Mm. And, and I think that the whole album is about frustration. I think there's a lot of, you know, not mm. anger, but just you know, heightened frustration. Yeah, like there's some lines like like "Buy Me a Pony." I think has some of the best lyrics, um, mm. especially because it is about the the middle finger sort of to the you know um to the to the the australian music scene at the time because there was this mentality where you were either alternative or you were mainstream there was no mixing of the two and they were very much like no we don't want to be like everyone else we want to be ourselves um which i think is a very Australian thing to have as well like as much as it is a punk idea I think it's also a very Australian thing to have your own identity more so than um, take and and use other people's you know um, yeah. yeah definitely um, but yeah I thought I thought the sounds on this album were were really interesting what did you think of the fact that um there were multiple singers, so it, it, it alternated between Mark or slash Cram and mm. I can't remember her name, unfortunately. <laughs> um, um, uh, what were your thoughts across the fact that there it was an alternating um, vocal line? Yeah, like, the, do you think it added I, to the album? Do you think it took away from the album? I thought it works really well. Um, I thought that like there's a lot of punk acts that have a lot of male singers. There's not very many that have female singers. And I think having... Well, not from the 90s. Well, not from the 90s. And that was... Yeah, oh, oh, of course. There's a lot more now. But back then, especially, I found that, like, that was really quite nice having, like, two balancing sounds vocally. And most of the time when... I've forgotten her name as well, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, When she comes on, yeah, a lot of her songs have acoustic guitar as I realized. So a lot more Great. of her songs have acoustic guitar. They're still hard, um, but the acoustic guitar really balances out the sound quite well, um, which gives it that sort of playful um, energy that the album really does have, and I think is what they really intended, was to have that sort of, you know, joking, poking the, poking the bear sort of... Um, theme in yeah. their music in their lyrics as well as in the music itself um her name is janet english i apologize janet, janet if you're listening i completely forgot yeah but yes janet so janet's a bass player of the band yeah um, and she's fantastic yes. i love her voice to be honest i thought I yeah thought really big energy um it's mm. i think it's i think it's quite nice to have multiple vocalists on an on an album it reminds me of early preachers mm. um it's it's nice to kind of have that break and it's it's just another layer of of you know something for your ears to pick up on and it's nice it, it's mm. it helps pacing i think it helps break up the mm. the monotony of every track almost sounding the mm. same especially in a genre like punk where it, it is very dangerous where the songs can sound very similar yeah a lot of the time um, Wait, I think which is clever. ironic considering the fact that there's so a lot of punk acts are so adamant about being different yet their music gets this sort of it feels like they're pumping out kind of factory like standard mm. um punk songs 
But with this, I felt like they actually had the three of them were in the room together making the music rather than it just them just pumping out songs. They went in, yeah, you know, spent, of the nineties. Oh, <laughs> it's 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 such an yeah. interesting thing to look at when you look at like the way the mentality was towards creating and, and producing music pre two thousand versus post two thousand. It's such an interesting. Like, mm. But I feel like that's a whole separate podcast. That's like yeah. business. But but yeah. anyway, yeah. I will say though, I think Cram is one of the best dr- Australian drummers of all time. Uh, his drumming is just so good. Yeah, it's I don't good. know what he's it is fantastic. about his. He's just hard and fast, and it just hits the right way. He just has really a, a lot of energy. That's really good. Yeah, because when we saw him um, with Ali Bada, he just went. Like it didn't really matter. He just went and did what he. He's an he's a monster. Yeah, he is. He's an absolute yeah. gun. Gun of the yeah. All right. Um, my next question, and we 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 sort of talked about this with the hottest hundred. This being the first ever winner of the hottest hundred. This was in nineteen ninety six. Do you think that song in particular warrants being number one? Buy me a pony. Do you think buy me a pony? deserves a number one of that particular like being the first australian song to top the hottest 100 it's a really hard question because i don't know the context of what was out in 1996 off the top of my head yeah let me Um, let me find it for you and then we can if if though if if i'm looking at the album as a whole and if i had to pick one song to top the hottest 100 then definitely buy me a pony would be that track Mm. um i personally have a soft spot for glyphs i actually think if, if I'm thinking about a favorite song, it's Calypso. But if I'm thinking about what's the strongest song from the album, it's definitely Buy Me A Pony. Um, mm. Fantastic song. It's um, just so punchy. Like it's it's just, it, it doesn't stop. And it's, yeah, definitely I think a, a fantastic representation of of Australian music in 96. Mm. Um, I'd be really interested to see what else do you, I mean, I don't know if you've So got, yeah, but... I have it up. So the top five was, yep. um, number two was Stink Fist by Tool, Underground oh, wow. by Ben Folds 5, Pepper by Butthole Surfers, and then Glycerine by Bush. So a lot, and the only other Aussie act in the top 10 was Pick You Up by Powderfinger. And that was number six. So there's sure. a lot, yeah, because then you have Breathe by Prodigy and there's like a lot of them are very American and Australian, uh, American and British um, songs. Yeah. And that around that time, like there was a lot of really heavy rock songs, like Tools, Stink Fist is quite a intense song. So it's interesting that a playful song like Buy Me A Party, which also is really short, by the way, it's only yeah. like a minute 40 seconds. So it's it's punchy, it gets to the point. And I think that really resonates. I feel for me, it resonates with me as a listener because I really just, I like it's hard, it's fast, it gets to the point. There's no fly, like frolicking around. Not like Tool, where Tool is very much going deep into the song itself because it's very layered and... Um, I don't know. I, I personally, I think uh, "Buy Me a Pony" is one of the best Australian album, or one of the best Australian songs of all time. Like, if I had a, a list of hundred songs, it'd be definitely be on there. 
for me wow. personally. That's um, cool. Well, I just love the playfulness. I love the fact that it's like a middle finger. It's one of those punk songs that just sort of, um, it really does show its is colors. It, and it does, is this it's song not more rock than punk, or is it more punk than rock? Um, I think the it's punk in attitude, but rock in in um sound in yeah in sound. Yeah, and I think I'd, also. I'd agree with that. Yeah, with Cram's voice and just the drumming, like it all just melds together really, really well. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, and this is a this is definitely a song that I would say is a good indication of what the '90s were like in Australian rock, especially. Um, and Calypso, I agree with you. Calypso also has another like it stays in my heart. It's just a really good song, just in general. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. But um, that actually gives me another good point to go to what were three of your favorite songs from this album three would be um i mean clips is my favorite by far that's fair um i also really 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 like chest hair um as an opener i thought it was fantastic Mm. um and then horseshack army as well was a Mm. really big song for me but to be fair um, the the last two, Chest Hair and Hoshikami, have that buy me a pony feel. Like they they sit in that world of of songs when it comes to that album. I think that's what I prefer Spider Mate to do. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I like Calypso so much is because of how creative a song it is. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I think as a as a summary of what the album could be, I would probably give people those three, and maybe a fourth with Buy Me a Pony for sure. Yeah, uh, it's a minute long. People can listen to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think if I was going to be like, if you want to know what this album is, here, here are the four songs. Um, maybe give them the secret track on the end. But still. Mm. yeah, now, what about you? What are your yeah. top three from the album? Um, Buy Me a Pony is my number one, just because I like it. It's short, it's sharp, it gets to the point. It has the right feel and the right sounds for the time, but also it's a it's a song you could put on at any time, and people are still going to rock to it. Like, it's not going to die anytime soon. Um, I really, like, Calypso is, I'm the same with you. Calypso has a lot of twists and turns that are very unique. And um, Jill, is that her name, did you say? Uh, Um, Janet. Janet, sorry. Sorry, Janet. (laughs) Um, Janet, Sorry, Jill. Yeah, sorry, Jill as well. Um, Janet's voice, I think, really does, like, it makes a massive difference to the album mm. and to a lot of the songs, um, which is another one of Janet's songs is Hot Water and Milk was going to be my other one because her singing is just really like playful and funny and um, the that Australian sense of poking fun at other people is very, very apparent and it's something that I think we need more of in Australian music in general is more sarcasm and more playful... Um, people to be more playful and have a bit more fun because sometimes you know you listen to an album you're like Mm. i can tell that you guys are really trying to make this the best album you can which is great but there's not it like you don't sense that they're mates playing together and i think that's one thing that spider mate really does have over a lot of other acts is the fact that they're just mates in a room just playing music and enjoying themselves yeah Um, for sure but i also like chest hair um, I also like Horshack Army. Um, I also like Gosh. Just Gosh is just weird. And, is it and, Goosh? Oh, Goosh, sorry. Why is it Gosh? 
I it's am like douching over someone. It, yeah, it's um, it's late, guys. It's late tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I oh, think, and I think Goosh has. Hold on, let me just. Yeah, Goosh has some of the weirdest lyrics as well. Um, like they all have very unusual lyrics, and I think that you know, it brings a a, a flavor think- to the album that's. I think that unusual lyrics yeah. is a flavor of the Australian nineties music scene, though, because mm. if you look at look at big bands, Powderfinger, Silverchair, Something for Kate, Spiderbait, Jebediah, um, they're not bands that I mean, you know, they're not bands who have beautifully designed lyrics. There's a no. lot of. Um, it's more about the feeling of the song than it is yeah, about the correct. lyrics themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Josh. Yes. We're coming to that time where we see what we, what our overall thoughts. What? How many records would you give this out of ten? I would give this a really high six okay. out of ten. Um, I really, really like this album. I think it's a really good, strong album with some amazing songs on it. Um, but in the context of of our conversations and what we're what we're hoping to do, it sits above the middle for me it's not yeah nothing on this album is overly spectacular that makes me want to go i'm going to listen to this again and again and again and again mm. but it's a fun listen and it's yeah. there's some really good stuff on there uh, really influential stuff on there with like mm. with, buy me a pony clip so like let's be real most people know those two songs if someone's mm. in spider bait um yeah. but yeah I, i'm really happy we got to listen to this album it's it's um definitely an under oh, I want to say it's underrated. It's probably not an underrated album, but for those <laughs> who are in the year 2021, like the rest of us, mm. give it a listen if you can, because yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. Yeah. What about you, mate? Well, how many records out of 10 would you give this one? I'm going to give it a 6.5. I'm basically giving it the same score you are. Um, I think this is a very, very fun album. I think it was a great listen and a very... If you're if you're not familiar with Spider Bait and this is the first time you listen to it, you'll be thoroughly surprised. Which is something that I really like with a lot of like this album in particular was there were turns that I didn't expect, and the first thing I thought was just like what the fuck, like, but yeah. in a good way. And that's what I want from an album like that last song where you know it ends. There's the nothing. Of- and then there's like two hidden songs on there and you're like, okay, this is It's a this 13 is a... minute track. Like it's yeah. like, and just, just quickly, the art of a secret act, secret track on an album is dead these yeah. days. That was such a big thing in the early 2000s and the late nineties to have yeah. your last track go for stupid long. And you're like, no one's going to listen to that. If you do, you realize there's a second song. Yeah. There's a hidden song in there. One of my favorite albums, um, the black parade by my chemical romance. It's the same idea. And it was a very similar, like, I, when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's done. And then I looked down and I'm like, wait, there's still another, like, eight yeah. minutes. Like, wh- Was that your first introduction to a secret track on, a, on an album? Uh, my cam it was. Um, but I've listened to other albums before and they've, like, they've had the this, this secret track separate to... Because, like, uh, for context for the listeners, me and Josh, I would assume you're the same with Josh... Like, we grew up in a time where, like, most of the way I listened to mu- new music was through downloading MP3s or CDs. 
So I was sort of familiar with, I knew that there were secret tracks on things, but I never really like found them until a little later. Yeah. See, I, I was really big on buying CDs because we had rubbish internet at home. So (laughs) I was really big on buying CDs. And I remember the first secret track I ever found was on Coldplay's X and Y. Oh Um, yeah. At the end, there's a song, I can't remember, it's Castles something something, but Mm. it's a fantastic song. Yeah, I couldn't afford a lot of CDs at the time. I didn't have the money, so that's why I downloaded everything, which don't do if you're going (laughs) to download stuff. LimeWire, kids. LimeWire is real good. Um, Pirate Bay. (laughs) Dallas Buyers Club. You should download that. Nowadays, Um, just stream it or go on YouTube or even buy it. Like uh, This would be an album I would buy, to be honest. I think it would be a- yeah. I, I I mean, but I mean, we've only done two albums so far, but both of the yeah. albums I would buy. I don't think there's yeah. anything here that I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd be like no, but yeah, yeah. So overall, I would I give this album a six point five. It was a a good listen, a great listen. I don't think I'd listen to it in my spare time. I don't think I'd go and listen to it in full. I think there's a lot of songs I'd listen to them by themselves. Um, just because yeah. I think this, there's a lot of great songs on this album, but it's not um, something I would go back to unless, you know, I'm in a particular mood. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nice. So one last question. Do you think yes. this album is a classic? An Australian classic? Right. So last week I said, well, last week, the la- last time we recorded, um, I said that the Avalanches was a classic. Mm. I don't think this is a classic Aussie album. Okay. I think this is a fantastic Aussie album. But if we're talking about the scope of classic, yeah, when like I say something classic, someone has to listen to, you sort of like thing. this is necessary, essential Australian listening. Mm. Unfortunately, that's not Spider Bay. Yeah. I, for me I'm the same way but it just missed it like I think it just misses out for me it if it was um if a couple more songs I mean, and if the I don't want to say was, it yeah I don't know but it's 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 not Silverchair it's not Frog Stomp by Silverchair it's it's not Odyssey number no. 5 by Powderfinger it's not in the same conversation yeah. unfortunately but we're not saying don't listen to this if you haven't no, listened to this album Give it a listen because it is a great listen. Um, um, yeah, hundred percent. I I could not encourage people more to listen to this album because it's a fantastic album. It's a fun album, like we kept saying. Um, yeah, please give it a listen because it's yeah. Spider Bait are definitely a, a slept on band, especially their mm. earlier stuff. I yeah, mean, those who don't know, um, Spider Bait did a cover of Black Betty. Oh, um, that's so good. And it's so, so good, good, but it's also what most people associate with Spider Bait. Mm. Um, and if I would suggest if you haven't listened to some of their other stuff, pick up yeah. this album and give it a crack. I would give this. I would give this album instead of it being classic. I think it's an underrated album. You should go and listen to. I think it's. Yeah, an, I, it gives it the underrated title, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it a classic rating. Yeah. unfortunately. But that's fair. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That that was it for this week. Um, we're we're still figuring out all the different stuff. We have socials now. Uh, we do. We do have socials. Yes. Um, so, do you want me to plug some socials? Yes, go ahead. All right, go cool. Ahead. Let me plug some socials. So, uh, so we got organized and we did some things. So first of all, um, 
if you like listening along and you want to ask us some questions, we'd love to start doing a bit of a mailbag segment here. So um, you can send us an email at any time. That's mailbag at friendsfordinner.net. Uh, this podcast is a part of the Friends for Dinner Network. Um, definitely as well, you can catch us on Instagram at uh, the Homegrown Podcast. Um, Homegrown Music Podcast. Um, I'll put it in the bio of this uh, when we upload it. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely as well, Luke, you should you should all subscribe to us because what are we doing next time we meet? We are doing Kick by In Excess. And this, this one... We, we've Jeez. done two more indie albums, and I thought, you know what? We need to go out with something. We need to start with something big. Start it's, February um, with something big. Yeah, we're going to need a lot of towels for that episode. <laughs> my we, God, what an album. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff. And if you want any particular albums in the next coming episodes, um, send us your suggestion to the mailbag as well. We have a lot of albums and i mean over 280 suggestions already for stuff that we've like planning on doing at some point so if you want something in particular just send it in um and yeah that would be, be really good to hear from some people and and if you're from overseas i'd really like to um get some suggestions for albums outside of Australia as well. Later in the year, we'll be doing a section with um, some non-Australian um, albums, a special That's month right. of sorts. We're going against the grain of the podcast. Yes, yes, for one month only. Um, but at that, uh, but it'll be good to see what other people are listening to. And if there's anything that you It's know, just Taylor Swift. That's all uh, people are listening to. Yeah. It's Taylor Swift and Adele and Kanye. Um, and Doja Cat, whatever that is. Um, is that a meme? I don't know. <laughs> we could, you know, okay. I mean, this isn't, let's not do this, but we could <laughs> do a TikTok episode. Oh, I yeah. hate it. That's, but, but that's also another thing that we could do. If you, is TikTok a genre? Well, no, but it would might be really cool the, if, um, if people are interested in us talking about, say, genres or talking maybe about a particular place in Australia and any bands that were around there. I don't know. Um, we're open to anything, but right now we're listening to just Australian albums, whether or not they're classics or if they're underrated or overrated. Yeah. So Nice. Yeah. All right, guys, we're um, done for this episode, but we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.